0: By becoming a monthly patron, you'll also receive our weekly newsletter.
1: I'm Toby Young. Welcome to the Quillette podcast. In April 2018, a new parody account appeared on Twitter with the name Titania McGrath. Describing herself as a radical intersectionalist poet committed to feminism, social justice, and armed peaceful protest, Titania embodied a particular type that many people on Twitter will be familiar with a privileged white woman, usually a graduate of an elite university with a successful media career, who is constantly complaining about white supremacy and oppression. Last week, Titania published her first book, Woke, A Guide to Social Justice, and a newspaper revealed the identity of her creator, a 40-year-old stand-up comedian called Andrew Doyle with a PhD from Oxford in Renaissance poetry. I sat down with Andrew to ask him about his brilliant creation. Andrew we learnt recently that you are the genius behind Titania McGrath very kind of you (laughs) Um,
2: uh, how were you exposed Um, I was exposed by a website called Chortle which is the uh, comedy industry website run by Steve Bennett it's a really good website which which gives all the information about the industry and what's going on but he found out and I'm not sure how he found out but there was a a a catalogue at a book festival in Frankfurt circulating which goes back to November actually and it it mentioned me by name in connection with the book. I think the publishers were trying to, to, I don't know, trying to, something to do with rights or something, but someone at the publishing house, although they've done very well to keep it a secret and wanted me to keep it a secret, somehow it slipped out. I think it was probably just a, an admin error or something, but but he's a bit of a sleuth, Steve Bennett, and he found it. And then after that, I just thought to myself, well, I'll, I will go out and I'll just uh, talk about it as myself, which I was always intending to do at a point, uh, but I just wanted to hold off a little bit more uh, so that people would completely buy you know they read the book with titania's voice in mind that that to me was what i was trying to do but it's not it's no bad thing i'm fine with it
1: so yeah. titania is um a 24 year old blonde bespectacled yes young woman yes and we're not sure but i think she's she, she's bi is she she's ecosexual. she's ecosexual. sexual so
2: she of course. yes so she um currently is in a relationship with a cactus called josh and she believes in um, uh, Mother Nature being kind, of eroticized essentially um,
1: as a kind of uh, re- uh, re- re- rebutting to the uh, the patriarchy, I suppose. Okay. So, um, but that's not who you. Are. I mean, you're a forty year old male. Um, have you been accused of cultural appropriation since, I you were ask since me about it's sex come with out with plants? Then no, sorry, I've, I've never done anything
2: like that. <laughs> believe you me. Uh, uh, have I been accused of cultural appropriation? Uh, yeah, I mean, I've been, well, I've been accused of. Um, putting words into a female uh, character. But that's called fiction, isn't it?
1: A lot of writers do that. Um, I don't think it's a problem. But has there been kind of um, uh, a a sort of backlash on Twitter since you are exposing Have people started actually getting genuinely angry about the fact that that you're not actually a
2: 24-year-old girl? Uh, Well, they're more furious about the character and about what what it... It's it's basically people who are angry at the politics of the character. The the character is mocking uh, this this sort of uh, cultish... Um, identity politics uh, and I do see it as a cult I see it, I think that's the best way to understand it as a religious cult because uh, they are t- utterly humourless about it um, they are completely convinced about their own particular worldview. they want to proselytise they want to convert people to, to how they think they think that if you don't think their way that they are evil it has all the hallmarks of a cult and of course, as with often, often with cults, they don't know that they're in a cult, you know. So it's, it's a bit like me telling a religious zealot, your God doesn't exist. So of course they're not going to find it funny. And, I, you know, and that's their right. You can you know, go on Twitter, say it's unfunny, say it's terrible, whatever. But it's very interesting that um, uh, by doing so and getting so obviously agitated by it, it is sort of suggesting to me that I'm doing something right. Because my view of the whole woke um, politics is that it is the establishment I mean, we talk about, we, you know, we have a right-wing government here. You've got Trump in America. So politically, you could say, well, we live in a right-wing society. But the truth is, culturally, uh, the woke uh, culture has won out. You know, I mean, it's it's in the Tory party. Uh, it's in the, it, they, they introduced the Gender Recognition Act, for instance. They pushed through same-sex marriage. Um, there's a lot of that kind of tokenistic diversity appointments. Uh, Labour and Conservatives are both... Uh, in favour of hate speech laws which legislate against what we can say and think so this sort of stuff is, is all in tune with the woke ideology There's no, you know, this, is, this is the establishment the comedy industry is very much on side with this the, um, uh, the, the TV commissioners people like this are, you know, it's across the board so actually what I'm very much doing is punching up I'm punching up at the powerful uh, the misinterpretation is you're attacking minorities you're mocking minority groups uh, you're punching down at vulnerable people which is, you're, you know, obviously you're free to have that interpretation. That's not my business, uh, but it's wrong. Um, it's not. It's certainly not my intention. And people who are sensitive to satire will understand that. So who is the real
1: Titani McGrath?
2: Who are you, Andrew? Uh, I am a writer and comedian, uh, and I, I've, I've been on the comedy circuit for about 15 years now. I've done a number of shows in Edinburgh, but I've also written, you know, sketches, comedy things, um, plays, uh, dramas, musicals, so stage and radio, that sort of thing, and a couple of TV bits as well.
1: And you also have what, a PhD from Oxford in Renaissance poetry.
2: I do, and and uh, that is... Well, I was going to be an academic, you see, so originally that was my plan, and I, I got to Oxford and I did the doctorate, and I was a part-time lecturer uh, while I was there, so I taught the Shakespeare module to the undergraduates, and I did enjoy it, but then I, I found myself becoming dissatisfied, and I wanted to... Uh, Once I'd finished my thesis, I wanted to create work uh, rather than write about other people's work. Um,
1: But but when you created Titania and you um, had in mind that she would be a a slam poet, were you thinking, well, I can draw on my knowledge of poetry um, to kind of create these parodic verses? Well, yeah, what I thought, I mean, obviously the poetry is terrible, right?
2: But I want it to be terrible in a good way. So, um, you know, for instance, there's a a poem in there uh, about Brexit, Which I, which I think the title is just the date of Brexit, and um, that that it scans perfectly as a as a Shakespearean sonnet. So she can do it, uh, and it's got exactly the right rhyme scheme, and and it's all iambic. So she can do it, but uh, she just, you know, she she chooses to she prefers the kind of slam, uh, irregularity, uh, lack of discipline, and she thinks that's more radical.
1: Okay. Uh, when did you create her?
2: Was it last year? It's, yeah, April last year, so 10 or 11 months ago. Yeah. And how long before she started to attract followers? Well, she was getting followers uh, quite quickly. Um, at that time, Godfrey Elfwick was still up and running. Godfrey Elfwick was a brilliant, I think the best satirical character that we've seen on Twitter. And that's not you? That's not me. That's a, a, a woman called Lisa Graves, who I've become friends with since. Lisa Graves ran it with someone else, the man who invented... Godfrey, but he is—he uh, wants to remain anonymous. But they worked together um, on that account, and then he dropped away, and, and Lisa ran it by herself. And just before Godfrey got fully banned from Twitter because he got completely um, nuked um, by the humorless... Uh, is he back now? No, he was back for four days, okay. and then they banned him again. Uh, no, I mean, there's no way he can come back. Okay. Uh, um, but while he was still there, he was tweeting about Tanya. And he would say, you know, we met at this poetry slam poetry night and stuff. So right. that sort of helped get a, get a, a bit of a following. Uh, and then some high-profile people found, found the account and were retweeting her quite a lot. What was the, uh, what was the most
1: high-profile retweet you have got?
2: Uh, well, overall, from, from yeah. anyone. Um, oh, good question.
1: Um, Did Stephen Pinker?
2: Yeah, and Jordan Peterson and, yeah. and um, Ann Coulter and... Um, who else? Um, Ricky Gervais has retweeted and, and Piers Morgan and so various people um, uh, have retweeted her. Uh, I, th- I guess because they find it funny, which is great, you know. Um, and I've, and they're quite politically diverse. The people who've been retweeted her as well, which I think is perfect. That's what I want. I you know I want I want to, to hopefully reach people from all sides of the political spectrum. Although I'm fully aware that people on the left are, are,
1: are, are some people on the left are a bit incensed about it, you know. Did you, did you have any particular women in mind, or was it just a type you were satirising?
2: I, I was very careful for it not to be a parody of a specific person. For one thing, because if you do that on Twitter, you have to label it as parody. Right. And I think once you say parody, it's not funny anymore. So, um, so it's not a parody, really, uh, but it is a satire of a type. And yeah, I've got many people in mind when I, when I say it. A lot of them, are, 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 I think, are obvious. Um, but, I've, uh, but I specifically didn't want it to target anyone in particular. Um, I mean, her face, the, the, the computer generated Avi that, that actually Lisa mocked up for me, is a composite of, of lots of different women's faces, so it's the, it bears yeah. no likeness to anyone. Um, but she is the, she's the type, I mean, you see a lot of these books coming out by people, you know, either with double barrel names or very, they're very, very uh, affluent people who spend the whole book moaning about their oppression, uh, being oppressed women. Um, and, and you read about their background and you think, this is really vulgar. You know, you've had everything on a plate and here you are just desperate. And that's something that that paradox of the idea that with victimhood comes clout, I find it really sickening. And I think it's. I also think it's funny. I think we just have to laugh at these people. And the one thing I noticed when I I was researching for this book, because I just read all of these books, I just devoured them. The thing, the common factor of all of these types of books, and there's a lot of them, is the narcissism. Page after page, it screams at you. It's all about me. It's all about me. And they bring it always back to themselves. And and I think that is something that is deeply tied into this worldview because it is essentially entitled. It's the idea that I'm offended, I'm upset, so the world must change around me. Everyone else must, must, must count out to my particular beliefs. If you're offended, that's your problem, right? I get offended by stuff, but I don't go and demand other people change who they are because I'm offended. If I were to marry my partner, and I wanted to call him my husband, I wouldn't go up to a fundamentalist Christian and say, you must use the word husband, because they might not agree with the same-sex marriage, and that's their right, you know, we live in a free... And I can argue with them, ridicule them, try to explain why I think they're wrong, but ultimately, I can't force them, and I, I'm very uncomfortable with what I see as a kind of creeping authoritarianism, where now the police are getting involved, that, you see, you, the, law is, the law is getting involved, and saying, no, 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 you have to use certain words, you have to speak in a certain way about people. You mustn't offend people. You must be sensitive to their needs at all times. And this is not a
1: a, a realistic way of how humanity works. One of the characteristics of woke people Mm -hmm. is that they tend to be privileged. Mm. Um, So uh, a Gallup poll in 2017 in America found that the group pushing the Democratic Party leftwards uh, was well-educated, non-Hispanic whites, particularly white women. Zach Goldberg, a PhD student at Georgia State University, found that the number of white liberal women identifying as feminist yeah. increased from forty-five percent in 1992 to eighty-three percent in 2016. Yes. so you've actually captured a characteristic of um, the intersectional identitarian left, which is that it's predominantly female. It, it skews slightly female, yeah. and it's and it's for the most part privileged white females from you know very affluent backgrounds and you see this amongst the I mean people might think oh he's exaggerated yeah um, uh, Titania's background he's made her this kind of public school girl with a trust fund, very rich parents, always been on expensive holidays. Unbelievably privileged. People might think, oh, well, he's done that for comic effect. But actually, it's pretty representative of this generation of woke female journalists we have here and the people, woke female activists in the US. What is it about coming from a particularly privileged background that makes you want to be a tribune for the oppressed and define yourself as a victim? I I do not understand it. And I do find it,
2: it... I find it... Funny and disturbing, and uh, you know, I mean, th- this stuff is very bourgeois. Like, uh, w- you know, the majority of working-class people don't don't give a damn about identity politics. You know, if you if you're, you know, if you're saying to someone who, who can't afford to feed their kids and, and and look after themselves properly, oh yeah, but we haven't had a black pansexual James Bond yet. So get on Twitter and sort that out. You know, th- this is nuts. The, the, people aren't aren't concerned about this stuff really. This is, and. I don't know what it is, but I think you're absolutely right. I mean, if you look at um, the uh, Spike has a, a university free speech ranking system, and they've, they've identified that, again and again, the universities that have the most prescriptions against free speech tend to be the ones which have more affluent people. So there seems to be this weird inverse ratio, like you say, between the more privileged you are, the more desperate you are to prove... How victimised you are! I mean, we saw this with the roads must fall campaign in Oxford, mm-hmm. where we had these very wealthy, very privileged young students saying that they wanted to tear down this statue because it offended their personal sensibilities. One of them, the, the organizer, was had a Rhodes scholarship, for God's sake, you know, um, and he was getting over twenty thousand pounds a year from that. Scott, I would love to be oppressed like that. Bring on <laughs> that oppression. That's fantastic, but it's like they don't know what oppression means. It's 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 like they. they, they and I don't know what the answer is, but when I was writing the character and I decided she lives in Kensington, she's probably got another couple of houses here and there. Uh, daddy basically gives her everything she wants, uh, and she still is a, a victim. It was, It isn't exaggerated. There are so many people like that, and they don't know how ridiculous they sound. They lack this
1: self-awareness. Do you think that there are so many people really like that, particularly on Twitter, is one of the reasons that so many people seem to take... Tania at face value yeah. and try and engage with them. I mean, some of the Let's funniest moments are when she kind of responds in character to kind of right-of-center people, kind yeah. of taking offence at something she said. I love said. that, but it's probably less and less likely to happen,
2: isn't it? The more people know about yeah. it, that's unfortunate. But yeah, it's still it's still happening though. And um, yeah, th- that's what I like about it is because obviously it, it spoofs a lot of the leftist ideas, but at the same time, time it, atta- it mocks the right when they when they take it seriously. Um, yeah. But yes, you're absolutely right. I think it's called Pose Law, isn't it? Where, where you uh, it's so close the satire is so close to the truth that it fools people, and um, that's the line i 'm trying to tread I want it to be I want to signal that it's absurd just enough so that people should recognize it's a joke, but if you just catch it quickly and you yeah. fall for it that's understandable you know and and, and and it's funny I quite often on Twitter find it quite hard to tell yeah of course yeah yeah I mean I always now double check you know so if I see a, a tweet um, i won't react to it. As her, in case it's a parody of itself or a satire, because yeah. then, although it's sort of okay, because she would probably engage with the satire as reality. But I double
1: check and I read through their timeline and think, can this be real? You know, at one stage, Titani was contacted by a television host of an American chat show, yeah. Right of Center, and everyone assumed because of the self-serious way in which she contacted. Titania, that she had been fooled by, her. but it wasn't obvious to me that she had been fooled by it. It could have been that she just wanted the yeah. character to appear on her show. That's right. The only reason I know she was fooled by it is okay. because she later tweeted
2: to someone else saying, Oh, yes, I was fooled for a minute. But the great thing about her, that was Liz Wheeler. Who, yeah. uh, well, the great thing about her is as soon as she realised, she played along. Right. And she, she started uh, having a dialogue with Titania. Um, on those terms and it was very funny she was, she's actually really funny I thought that was really great what was
1: it, t- what was it Titania asked for was her conditions she
2: had, well Liz Wheeler was saying can you come on the show and talk about this this issue you've raised and she was saying I have three conditions I think the conditions were something like I will not interact with any males uh, I need full editorial control and oh and I want ten minutes to perform my intersectional feminist slam poetry And then that was one Liz Wheeler then replied in kind and said, uh, well, this is, you sound a bit, and I I can't remember what she said, but she sort of challenged her on a a woke point, uh, you know, which is really funny. I like it. I mean, some people, they they play along when they realise, some people get really angry and and they feel like they've been pranked.
1: But, you know, that's that's fine as well. So in addition to um, being a satirist and having created this character, you also write serious... Opinion columns, you've got a column in, spiked. Yeah. Do you think that um, satire is ultimately a more effective way to challenge kind of woke orthodoxy uh, than doing it in a kind of straightforward, polemical way?
2: Uh, yes, and the reason I do is because uh, a lot of the, the key figures in the woke movement are not... They are impervious to reason. They do not really believe in debate, um, they offer, I mean, I often organise panels, uh, I do, I do, um, I've done a few panels at the Battle of Ideas, um, which is the annual uh, uh, weekend of debates at the Barbican, run by the Academy of Ideas um, and Claire Fox. And I often run these, de- about trying to find people to, to present that pro-sensorial um, viewpoint, the people who say, no, there are certain things you shouldn't say. They won't appear on the panels. They'll come back to me and say, no, no I, this isn't up for debate, I shouldn't have to appear on a panel with this person. But, and, but then, of course, you end up with a panel that looks skewed. It looks like you haven't tried to get the opposite view. That's a real problem. So they don't, they don't want to debate. Um, they believe that their feelings and emotions are more important than facts. And so, therefore, how can you argue with someone like that? It's like arguing with a child. You can't do it. So, therefore, I think m- mocking them is the best way to deflate the, those pretensions and to, 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 to make people realise that it's OK to laugh at these people. I and mean, for so long, they've had a bit of an easy ride because if you laugh at, if you laugh at them... Uh, they'll destroy you, won't they? I mean, they are vicious Uh, on on social media. I mean, the campaigns that I've seen, the most vicious things I've ever seen on social media have either come from the the racist, far-right people, uh, the white supremacist-type people, uh, or the woke identitarians who have absolutely no compunction in being utterly cruel and vicious, trawling through your old tweets, trying to find anything to launch a campaign against you to discredit you. Uh, and they're not even satisfied there. They'll go a step further. They want to make sure that you lose your job, your livelihood. They just want to destroy you. And it is, um, it's really unpleasant. And, and the worst thing about it is that they think they're the good guys. They think they're, they're doing this. In, and that's... I mean, I've, 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 I've just written a piece for Spike, actually, where I talk about this, because I wanted to draw the comparison with what... Um, is it Steven Weinberg, the physicist, said about, um, you know, if you want good people to do bad things, it takes religion. And that's why I think it's best to see the, the social justice movement as a cult. Because these are actually, a lot of the time, well-intentioned, good people. I have no doubt that m- probably all of them, most of them, are decent people who, who want the world to be a better place. And they see this evil everywhere. They see these ghosts, these ghosts that they're fighting with, these fascists around every corner. You know, they think it's, it's real. It's mm-hmm. not, but they think it's real. And I have some sympathy for that. But then they end up doing the, behaving in these most abominable way, most appalling way. You had Munro Bergdorf on BBC One on This Week talking about how the white race are the most evil force of nature that have ever existed. Now, that's racism, right? This, this is overt racism, and yet she's probably coming from a good place in her heart, right? Um, so what kind of perverted ideology is it that makes these these good people behave in this utterly horrible, ghastly way and think they're doing good? You have to mock that. You have to stop it anyway. And I think mockery and satire is, is a really interesting way of doing it because satire is about... Making t- seeing something wrong in the world, seeing something unjust, something corrupt in the power systems that exist, and trying to change it, trying to undermine it. Uh, and uh, I think it is an effective tool. Um, so that's why I do it.
1: One of the things that Titania very effectively satirises is the um, incoherence, the internal contradictions yeah. of a lot of social justice ideology. So an example... I think she, in your book, let's be clear, any form of segregation of the sexes in schools, toilets, etc. is a reprehensible form of gender apartheid, except when it comes to mosques, in which case it's empowering. Um, But lots of examples of of tweets and passages in your book like that. Um, Do you think pointing out these internal contradictions to members of the cult? will ever kind of deprogram them and make them kind of pause for thought. No,
2: because, I mean, we're all capable of holding two contradictory opinions at the same time, uh, but they seem to, to take it to, extreme, to extremes, you know. I mean, uh, the idea that you can... Uh, it's because of intersectionality which sees things as a victim hierarchy. And for whatever reason, I don't know what, um, Islam seems to be at the top of that victim hierarchy, and therefore any criticism of any Islamic practices is seen as, as, as to use their word, problematic. Um, but of course uh, under any other circumstances gender segregation or veiling a, of a woman's face or whatever it might be would be would be seen as misogynistic uh, from a feminist point of view but for some reason this is just not this is just not commented upon and that i think is incoherent um and i also think it's very patronizing to muslims to suggest that they can't deal with criticism uh you know i this is this is another problem about all of this stuff is uh, i mean particularly if you take um the woke comedy movement—the idea that, that everything that we do mustn't offend, you must never offend anyone—I mean, there's two really interesting premises behind this, which I absolutely abhor. The first is that uh, minority groups need to be protected; that they are—they can't take a joke at their expense. They, they, you know, they're little gentle creatures, and we need to save them. I find it really patronising, uh, and I, I have a real problem with that. Um, And then the other thing is that it it assumes that audiences need to be educated, not entertained. It assumes that they're these sort of malleable creatures who are just one one bad taste joke away from doing something horrible. You know, And 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 that your jokes will create a kind of culture uh, that will influence influence the behaviour of the masses. I find the whole thing so paternalistic and based on this very kind of degraded view of humanity. People understand the difference between a joke and real life. People understand that it's not to be taken literally, most people. The only people who don't are these sort of very uh, bourgeois uh,
1: political commentators who, who who push these woke ideas, basically. So I was quite surprised when you were recently accused on Twitter of um, being a right-wing straight white male. Yeah. And you responded by saying, well, that's news to my boyfriend and actually I voted for Corbyn. Yeah. I was quite surprised that you voted for Corbyn. I wouldn't have right. thought that the creator of Titania yeah. would vote for Corbyn. Well, I've always been uh, on the left
2: and... Uh, you know, I mean, for me, being on the left means that you you uh, you have class class consciousness, you know, and you believe in the the concept of social mobility, and you believe in the welfare state, and you believe in redistribution of wealth to a degree, you know, as a kind of corrective to the excesses of capitalism. So all of those sorts of things. Um, so it seems like a, a good fit for me that I'm I'm sort of that I, I'm on the left. I mean, it just that because I don't get to decide what left and right means. Just in terms of the textbook definition, that's where I lie. Um, but Corbyn, I mean, I, but I do think that identity politics is killing the left. I think it's at the heart of it. It's like a cancer at the heart of the left. It generates an awful lot of resentment because, of course, it's, these, these tokenistic things are used uh, as a distraction from the real serious problems of economic inequality. Uh, and I think that's... And that's why I don't think I could vote for Corbyn again. I, I don't think I would because I think the party is bought into this. Also, I, I'm, I'm very afraid of their anti-free speech policies and their, their, they want to regulate the press... Uh, even more and I you know that sort of stuff like so I wouldn't vote for him again let's put it that way Um,
1: but I did vote for him last time. I mean I guess um, Corbyn isn't exactly um, an identitarian he's a sort of mixture between the old-fashioned hard left and the new kind of identitarian left but um, some of the things that Titania highlights in the wokerati, such as authoritarianism, um, intolerance, uh, hostility towards free speech, if it's your enemies being allowed to speak. Um, uh, Perhaps not out-and-out racism, but certainly traces of racism, anti-Semitism in the case of Corbyn. And he seems to embody a lot of the vices that Titania skewers um, yeah. in the account Yes, um, so uh, that's yeah. why I was quite surprised I suppose
2: well, absolutely I mean but why can't I mock anyone like I don't, I don't think anyone anyone in any powerful figure should be exempt from being mocked you know I, mock, I mean I mock the Tories an awful lot but, uh, I mock, but I mock Labour as well just anyone I mean I, I think anyone in power should be open to that surely um, and you know when I go and see comedy I don't, I don't just want to agree with everything the comedy, comedians say. I think that's what's wrong with a lot of comedy is that it's, it's, it's just laughing because you endorse the view that the comedian is, is saying, you know. And uh, that's why for a long time Brexit voters are stupid and racist became a bit of a punchline. Because most of the people in the audience, most comedy audiences, tend to be Remain voters. And therefore that was an easy way to get a laugh because we agree. And, but is it really funny? It's not accurate. So what is it? You know, it just, it just seems boring to me. Uh, I mean, people who complain about, about the days of Bernard Manning because lots of racists would go along and laugh along with racism... I don't really see the difference than someone going along to uh, a comedian like that and laughing along with something they think too. Just
1: just reinforcement, comfortable reinforcement of a, of a bigoted view. Um, not, I'm not interested. And you've been talking to um, what a producer about perhaps creating a one man show in which an actress plays Titania on stage, something yeah. like that.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that'd be really interesting. But it'd be. Re- I'll have to try and get the right actor to play it. Um, I mean, she she just have to be able to. I know because I know the character so well. I know how she thinks. I know how she speaks. So it's it's all in my head. But finding the person who could do that, I don't know how we're going to do that. But I would, yeah. Would you know, she
1: have a posh accent or would she have yeah. a kind of uh, Jafakan accent?
2: No, well, there's two ways you could go with this. I mean, I think I think she's got the posh accent, uh, or she could have the kind of um, sort of. Uh, Kate Tempest style accent you know uh, the, the kind of someone who you, you can tell they're quite posh but they 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 obviously sound a bit more a bit more street you know because mm-hmm. uh, that's quite a posh thing as well isn't it um, so something like
1: that would be quite interesting um, and are you going to carry on tweeting as Titania even though more and more people are aware of the yeah, fact yeah I'm, that... I'm doing it at the moment I, I find it funny because well firstly because I think so no plans to retire the character
2: no well I think it's just that this week it's been in the press so much so I think it's on people's minds that it's me I think in a couple of weeks people will forget again probably and if they don't um it, you know it's it's just a it's a it's an author writing a fictitious character and and so I think I probably will uh I think I probably will carry on do you think I should it definitely but <laughs> and do you think Twitter will let you carry on no I think they'll banner at some point um but we'll see how far we can push it um i' don't, I'm not, I'm, I've got quite good at sort of realizing what the buttons are and how to avoid avoid that but who knows you can get banned for anything these days so yeah. I think I'll just, I think I'll just keep doing it. I have too much fun with it and I also quite like the idea that she is infuriated by this male trying to pretend that he uh, runs the character so that in terms of the narrative of the character it works mm-hmm. I mean Titania had a big row with me about two months ago on Twitter um, and I just was having fun one night and I was a bit drunk and I had like uh, she criticized something I'd said and so I came back saying, and I pretended that I'd fallen for the parody and this went back and forth, and then people were attacking me, saying, "Ah, you've fallen for this parody character," and I, I was just having fun with it.
1: Did, did, so, do you, did, was there was there a, was there a sense in which you know you were like the ventriloquist who's sort of possessed by his puppet?
2: Yeah, it's, maybe it's really unhealthy psychologically. <laughs> yeah, maybe it's a bit. It's a yeah, bit goblin mul- multiple personalities. Yeah, sort of. maybe I should be a bit careful. Actually, my, my boyfriend's a bit worried about that because he says that I because I keep talking about her as her, and he says you do realize it's you. You know, stop talking about her as though she's as right. other person. You know, maybe maybe it is a problem.
1: Okay. <laughs> um, before we sign off, um, I wanted to give a plug to the Titania McGrath merchandise line. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so you are, she is selling t-shirts. I know, it's great. the Woke store. The Woke and, store. Uh, See, what's great about her as well is that like, she's so,
2: so, such a self-publicist. Like, she just totally put this out there and, and um, like, uh, but yeah, the Woke store is doing t-shirts and mugs. Right. And the more vulgar and tacky it is, the better. Like, that's what she'd do. She wants her face everywhere. She sees herself as a cultural icon. She sees herself as more important than Jesus, and she and, and she wants everyone to have to be see, she wants to be seen everywhere. She's, she's she wants fame. All of that. She thinks she deserves fame, actually. Um, so yeah, the more of that, the better. And also, they're just funny. I think they're really funny. Yeah, there was because on the, even on her Twitter bar, it says I'm, she says selfless and brave. Buy my book, which of course is exactly what this type of person is. And then someone had to go at me on Twitter the other day saying, "Oh, th- that's not even meant to be a joke. That's just you selling the book." I'm like, "No, it is me selling the book, but it's also a joke." Uh, Obviously, it's a joke, but, you know, not everyone
1: shares my sense of humour, clearly. Well, Andrew, thank you very much for talking to Quillette. And before you go, can I just ask you to sign my copy of Woke, A Guide to Social Justice by
2: Titia McGrath? Yes, and I've actually, I've developed a signature for her, so it's nothing like my signature. Really? Great. (laughs) I'll do that. I'll give you a pen. Thank you. (laughs) Thanks a lot.
0: If you would like to support Quillette, please consider becoming a patron. Head to our Patreon page. That's patreon.com forward slash Quillette.